welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast, hosted by Anders Gustafsson and Carlos Velasco. In this episode, Anders and Carlos interview Allison Smith about the role of voices in customer experiences. So, uh, welcome to the Customer Experience Podcast. And uh, today we have a fantastic guest for you. Uh, we have uh, Alison Smith, uh, who's, who is an expert on voices, but can you please introduce yourself more, uh, slightly more? Thank you. Sure. Uh, hi. Yes, my name is Alison Smith, and the name of my company is the IVRvoice.com. Um, simply speaking, I am a telephone voice, so I voice various telephone platforms globally. I am the voice of PetSmart, NASA, State Farm, Samsung Canada, and uh, yeah, so I guess with all of these years of experience voicing telephone systems and AI platforms and text-to-speech, um, I guess I've become a little bit of a, uh, an expert on uh, the tone of voice and uh, sort of the trends in voices in telephone systems. So it's an interesting area. A lot of people don't really delve into it, but hopefully we will today. Thank you so much. And we also have Carlos with us to get today. It's actually the first podcast with we, uh, with a, a guest that we do together. Hello, everyone. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be doing this podcast uh, together with you, Anders. And, and hello, Alison. Um, mm-hmm. It is very interesting, the work that you have been doing uh, with the, all these different brands. So some, some one question that I came up with uh, while I was listening to you is, how is typically the process uh, that you go through when you work with these brands? So... Uh, are they kind of like trying to develop a specific voice for their brand or are they trying to develop? So, I mean, what do they tell you and what do you come up with? That's a great question because actually probably most people don't have a clear idea of what it is they're looking for. And sometimes if I ask clients, what sort of mood or feel or approach are you looking for? Sometimes that, that question is met with silence and they're like, um, we haven't really thought about that. So my default voice is sort of a friendly, um, professional, hopefully accessible and warm stance. And that usually works for most people. There are some clients that say we're looking for this um, very specific thing. Uh, Unfortunately, what I'm noticing is some clients are looking for almost like a, a Kim Kardashian sound where they actually want vocal fry (laughs) which i hate doing and i actually coach women to not use it but sometimes clients will ask for a younger more tired vocal fry sound so um yeah to answer your question most people don't really know what they want i'm almost like an interior designer that shows a swatch of color and says how about this and they go great it's it's almost like that process Okay, that's interesting. So basically what you're saying is that what you try to capture from your clients is somehow perhaps the emotion that they want to stand for, perhaps the personality yeah. that they want to stand for. Right, yeah. And then I mean, you- it used to be it used to be that I would, you know, if I was hired by an insurance company, I would go to their website and maybe look at what type of company they are and try to maybe match my voice to that personality. Unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, industries are changing. You know, you could do voicing for a bank and you would think, oh, bank, bank, very serious money, finances, investments, very dry and boring and serious. But a lot of banks are actually trying to be more accessible and trying to relate to perhaps a younger clientele. So they want to be a a little more informal. 
So I can make the decision of going, okay, this is a bank. I need to be very businesslike. But some people mm. just don't want that. They want it to actually have a little bit of a, a warmth and accessibility to it. Yeah, maybe be more related, relatable or something like that, right? Yes, not necessarily exactly. like to distance with your with your clients. Okay, before I give you the word, Anders, I have one uh, additional question in this in this uh, regard. So in this podcast, we uh, talk a lot about experiences, customer experiences. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was, how important are voices for customer experiences? Well, I'm a little biased because I make my living voicing things. So I think it's all important <laughs> for a company to really take some time to think about um, what sort of voice they want in their system. But what I've written about in blog articles and what I sort of evangelize when I'm speaking at various conferences is the idea that the company's brand should extend through their phone system. They've spent a great deal of money and time and resources brainstorming about what their website will look like, what their YouTube channel, what you know, the sort of image they're projecting through there, even their printed materials, even business cards and uh, you know, conference uh, displays and stuff like that. But for some reason, the telephone system gets left out of that branding message, and it shouldn't. You know, it definitely shouldn't. So if you are, you know, sort of a, a traditional grandfather in your industry, maybe it's not all that important for you to really establish a persona on your phone system. But if you are, you know, a modern company, kind of an upstart, and you're trying to establish yourself in your industry, it's probably very beneficial that you take some time to decide the branding and the persona that you want with your Uh, voice on your system. More people are moving towards that area, and I'm really glad that they're getting away from that sort of automaton sound, that sort of robotic telephone voice. And they really do want an actual character that says something like, okay, I can transfer you. Just give me some idea of what you're looking for. Like they're really after almost like an informal conversational sound, and I'm really glad about that. Great. Um... I, I do a lot of research on, on male versus female uh, when it comes to greeters and, and, and uh, when it comes to sort of giving people questions. And, and uh, I, I wonder about, about what, what you think about sort of female versus uh, male impressions of, of when, when you're using voices. When, when is it good to have a female? And, or, or oh, it's a... always good to only use exclusively female voice talent. Especially yours. That's the end of the podcast. Bye. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, no. So uh, the idea of male versus female in the telephone system context, there, there are some men that do incredible IVRs. I'm thinking um, which airline. It's United Airlines. He's, he's, I don't know even who he is. He does such a great job with their IVR, and he's done it for years, and he sounds great. He is the voice of their brand. For the most part, women are still prized for voicing telephone systems. So, you know, I my theory is that, you know, the first voice that we hear in utero is this, you know, vibrating, beautiful, all-encompassing female voice. So that might be why we're hardwired to prefer females. Um, and there's certain industries that I'm hired to voice for. I'm thinking more like medical, dental, aesthetic, things like dermatology clinics. They seem to really want a nurturing, reassuring female sound. So it's not to say that men can't be those qualities. They definitely can. 
um, it just seems to be more the um, the property of, of females. Maybe it's also because telephone operators have always been statistically female and traditionally female, at least in North America. So maybe people are just used to having a female essence on the telephone system. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Um, and and um, I, I had a sort of, I wondered about hedonic versus utilitarian. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if we're talking about sort of something that is selling on, on being warm and, and, and uh, good for you versus you know, uh, you, you need to use this oil to, to, to sort of, <laughs> to, to, to service your car. Uh, that, that's sort yeah. of the, what I was thinking that the female versus a male uh, voice would do. Uh, in, in, yeah, traditionally, I think maybe that is the case. And I, I would have agreed maybe 10 years ago that yes, I, I would never be able to voice any male heavy industry. And yet there's so many exceptions to that. Um, I just did a huge e-learning project with Napa Auto Parts. And again, you would think that that would be the domain of people who know about cars. And, uh, you know, they, they definitely wanted a reassuring professional female to guide the, um, the people taking the course through the various modules. So, um, you know, I, I think even if you listen to broadcast media, car commercials are often voiced by females now, and it, it never used to be that way. So yeah i'll go along with you with the hedonic industries you know things like aesthetics maybe luxury brands hotels stuff like that but um maybe not exclusively um, i voiced an on-hold system for a company that produces marine grade sealants okay so glue for your boat and again that would not be my wheelhouse um but they specifically wanted um a female so don't ask me why but they did mm. And, and uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, I've, I've worked with with uh, gas stations that that used uh, a concept called this service hero, uh, meaning that somebody would stand out meeting customers uh, every Monday, so the first Monday in the, in, the, in the week, and they were uh, specifically having women out there. And and uh, the, the purpose for doing that was more a branding thing and, and, and showing that we are competent. All of us are competent. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to sort of bias you towards something. I, it's, it's just that in research, um, it's been shown that if you use uh, some certain colors, it speaks more to the hedonic uh, side of, of people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's why it's pretty much us. Right, exactly. And, you know, it could backfire with a male voice voicing in a traditionally female space. I don't know how comfortable I would be calling, you know, like a medical office and having a male voice uh, talking to me about a procedure I might be having done. It just it might not be a great fit. So, yeah, I don't know. There's uh, but I think probably what I'm, I'm saying is that there really aren't the limitations that there used to be. And um, sometimes there is even more opportunity for women to voice in traditionally male heavy industries. Yeah, and so. it could be branding issues. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I yeah. think you just mentioned a word that, uh, that resonates a lot in this context, which is fit, you know, the extent to which there is a fit. And I, yeah. I wonder how much you think about it. And, and I would like to broaden the discussion beyond gender. So one thing is to have female versus male I did a consulting project for a company recently, and they wanted to stand out as a as a premium slash luxury brand. Oh yeah. And one of the things that we figured out with this study is that actually 
um, it didn't matter so much the gender, but more the age of the person speaking. Oh, yeah. So it would have to be kind of like an older voice for this brand to be kind of like a good fit for what they stand for as a, as a luxury kind of like company. So I don't know what's your take on it. Like what other variables beyond gender are and how important is fit? You know, I think, um, you know, as with everything, women worry about aging and whether or not that's going to make us marketable. And luckily with voiceover, I think unless I have like a serious uh, degradation of my voice, like Catherine Hepburn had that weird crackly thing happen towards the end of her life. She managed to make it into a lovely thing that she used. Um, but I think maybe with luxury brands, having an older tone might add to credibility mm. and to experience. Um, it, it may not, um, as with everything, uh, people are skewing younger all the time, but I think there's, there's, a, there's a place for a younger, gravelier sounding voice. Uh, sometimes people ask me to do, you know, that vocal fry thing and to try to sound younger. But generally speaking, I think if I were calling a Mercedes dealership and I encountered a slightly older sounding male or female, that actually might instill confidence in me. It might actually say this person loves this brand, knows this brand, and probably has been driving this brand for a number of years. So yeah, typically if I have clients that say, we want you to sound really classy. If I have like American clients that say, we want you to sound luxury and you know, they usually ask for a British accent. Oh. Which I will do, but it's it's so funny that they equate you know classiness with um, a British tone. So yeah, there you have it. Yeah, it is interesting, and I imagine that there are some also some like uh, probably cultural specific elements to it. You know, I would imagine that uh, a British uh, voice might signal luxury. I I just thought of this example with this same company. I was doing the consulting. We figure out that presenting their product with chopsticks. This was a salmon company, so presenting it with chopsticks in Norway would enhance their luxury appeal, which was oh. kind of interesting because chopsticks are not so common here. So maybe that rarity is what was kind of like leveraging. Uh, Absolutely, the, yeah. You know, um, there are some um, companies that I voice for in the southern part of the U.S., and they don't want me to do a southern twang, but they do want a little bit of a lilt. That sounds like there's a possibility that I might come from that area so that it's not too alienating. Um, another example would be um, I did the phone system for a chain of dry cleaners in the U.S. And, you know, it's a small company and it's a family run company, but they have a few chains in various states. They had me redo it because they thought I sounded too fancy. They thought, yeah, it was like too alienating for their client base. They just said, no, 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 this is not going to work. You know, we're a mom and pop organization and we want you to sound like a family member. So I had almost too much polish to my tone and they had me redo it in more of a casual, hey, I'm just, I'm this guy's sister-in-law and I'm just voicing their phone system. They really wanted it to sound informal and local. So... Yeah, part of the job is just to determine what they're looking for and to not do anything that would be off-putting or alienating. So, yeah, I guess something that they can relate to, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder, have, has anyone come back to you and said, you know, this worked really well uh, in this situation and, and, and sort of giving you a reason uh, 
have you sort of seen any increase in usage or, or something like that just based on your voice? Yeah, I, I will um, occasionally be asked to do a redo and almost always the, the number one reason for a redo is that I'm sounding too automated. So that would be an error in my judgment, deciding to do something very professional and almost a little too cold sounding. And I actually had somebody write recently, write me an email back and said, I thought I was paying for a custom recording. This sounds text to speech generated. And it's like, well, okay. So obviously I need to warm that up and uh, make it a bit more accessible. Um, I think also I used to default to a little bit of a, a sexy, seductive tone, which is not appropriate for all situations or actually many situations. So, uh, you know, a famous example is uh, a company in Australia hired me to do a film development kiosk for Kodak, and it was sort of a self-serve, develop your film thing. And apparently the prompts were just a little too seductive. So they found that men were using the process um, and being quite happy with it, but women were actually bailing out of the process midway and leaving the stores uh, upset. And this is why, is that the, the tone was just too seductive and not relatable for women. In fact, it got their uh, hackles up, as we say. So um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to try to determine what customers are looking for. It's a bit of a crystal ball moment where you're thinking, okay, you know, they're an investment firm, but they're a young, hip investment firm, so maybe they don't want it serious, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, go ahead, Carlos. Yeah, no, there is something that, that I'm, I'm quite curious about, you know, which is this idea. So one of the things that I like about working in this context of experience, research, and practice is that, uh, you know, experiences are everywhere, right? And I imagine that this is the case for the work that you do. Voices can be part of almost any experience that you have. You, you hear voices on the telephone, in the cinema, you know, on the, I don't know, like almost any kind of like a, a touch point, I guess, that has a certain sound. So my question is, what is kind of like a very uncommon or atypical context in which you have done voices? that you were like, huh, this is interesting, and but it's kind of like a challenge for you. Or, or, yeah. or, or. Oh, or sometimes I have the moment when I'm at the mic going, what? A am I on the radio? Is this like some sort of, you know, prank that somebody's pulling on me? Uh, there was one company a few years ago, I tweeted about this recently, they, it was a breakup service. So you could actually pay them a certain amount of money and say, this is the name of the guy that I want to break up with, Carlos, it's not working out, okay? So, <laughs> so they would hire me to do an automated message that would call you and say, dear Carlos, you know, Angela doesn't want to see you anymore. And it's not you, it's her, and she wishes you all the best. Bye-bye. Awful, just awful. But it, it sort of saves people from having to make that awful phone call but it's so interesting because in the end it's, it's just that right like designing the experience of the breakup and kind of like guiding them through the voice message that you record so that is that is quite interesting yeah and the worst thing is it was kind of a uh, they left the field of the name empty so that they, they use a text-to-speech just to drop the name in so this is a breakup message for carlos you know <laughs> <laughs> So it sounded very clunky and very automated. So I, I don't think that company existed, you know, long for a while. 
Um, yeah, you know, and the other thing that I tweeted in that same tweet was um, there is a company that still hires me to do warning messages to sex offenders and violent criminals to warn them that they have not checked in with their parole officer. Hmm. So yeah, it, it has to be very clinical and very, you have not checked in and you need to check in by a certain date or a policeman will show up at your door. So it's led a very strange thing when I go to conferences Often guys will come up to me and say, oh, you called me the other day. You know, sometimes it's the yellow pages calling to say your phone book has been delivered or something. So ever since I started doing that project, I go, oh, really? You received a call from me? Mm. <laughs> Hopefully they're not, you know, a sex offender. That yeah. is super interesting. Uh, <laughs> before I give you back the word, Anders, I have one additional question here, which is, you know, we have been talking quite a bit about this idea that so it is typically that customers ask you, this sounds maybe a bit too automated, or we are kind of like talking about this idea that automation or sounding automated might not necessarily be uh, the best thing for a bunch of uh, contexts. Can you think of any context in which sounding automated may be okay? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, the, the sex offender thing really needs to be very flat and almost automated sounding. Um, I did voice a text-to-speech application. So basically, it requires you know me to read a, a gigantic script about that size of weird sentences, and they break it down into phonemes and subphonemes, and that way you can type in whatever you want, and it will be my voice saying that. Mm. And it's interesting because it does sound very clunky and automated, even though the one that I did is actually a very high-quality one and they had me read a very large corpus just to make sure that they hit all the sounds. But it's still, there's something artificial about it that you can always tell that it wasn't voiced organically by a real human. Well, it was, but not long stretches of text. So whenever I hear myself generated by that text-to-speech application. And it's often, unfortunately, uh, I ordered a hotel wake-up call when I was staying in Dallas, you know, as sort of an alarm clock, and it was me waking me up in the hotel. So <laughs> it was very strange. Yeah, but because they're stitching together sounds, um, it won't ever flow with that conversational, they call it prosody. So that rhythm that we just naturally speak in, we slow down for some words, we emphasize some words, and it's really hard to recreate with text-to-speech. So, yeah, but some industries just want that sort of um, just the words and no inflection. Uh, it's not often, but sometimes that, uh, that's what they're after. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to create kind of some distance and kind of be as flat as possible and very functional oriented toward like specific game, then probably then automated might best, might, might be a, a, an option. Uh, yes. But otherwise, yeah, just having the range of the human voice, right? Like the emotional tones and the personalities and everything, something that uh, companies can capitalize on. Yes. And, you know, sometimes, uh, especially if it's an industry where somebody's calling in, let's say you need computer support or you've had like a, you know, God forbid, a, a denial of service attack on your company. You don't want to encounter a system that says, you know, thank you for calling such and such. We're glad you called. They don't want to hear that. They want to get straight to a technician. So sometimes they don't want any of the embellishment. They don't want 
um, really any emphasis on that friendly tone. They want to get people to support as soon as possible. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like think about an ambulance service. If you were to encounter an automated essence with a, you know, a police department, you wouldn't want, you know, thank you for calling Detroit police. We're the number one, you know, <laughs> yeah, people don't want to hear all of that. Police. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, I did do a system for uh, a heart clinic in Florida, and they had 12 options, which was way too many options. And the very last one was, if this is a medical emergency, please hang up and call 911. It's like, what? The last prompt is the one that, you know, if somebody's having a heart attack, you're going to get them to call? Terrible. <laughs> that makes absolute sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do have a last question. Um, you, you, you talked about the marker being sort of the British accent. Uh, you also mm -hmm. branding. Uh, and, and my take on, on you telling uh, people that that, uh, that should comply uh, sort of uh, if they have getting notices from, from uh, the prisoner system, that, that is sort of a compliance me message. Uh, what about mood? Do you, do you ever think about sort of what type of mood you should set in in, in a in, in a message? Yeah, uh, you know that always makes me think of a medical context. <clears throat> so somebody is calling, you know, a heart clinic to schedule some sort of you know test on your heart. Chances are you're going to want maybe a compassionate tone. That's still um, uh, you know considerate of the time of the caller, but reassuring and but not obsequious as you're doing that so it's, it's really a fine balance of being compassionate and caring uh, making sure they get through the phone system as quickly as possible but sometimes if you use too much of a, a saccharine tone it will actually be alienating and uh, maybe even condescending if you're sounding a little too maternal or a little too sweet if that makes sense yeah. Mm -hmm. that makes yeah that's interesting um uh, Alison I have one last question as well but before we do that uh how can our listeners contact you if they want to contact you uh, of course we will type this also in the description for everyone that is listening but if you can tell sure. us how to contact you that'd be great uh yeah they can reach me on my website which is the ivrvoice.com and they can email me at allison at the ivrvoice.com that's two l's and allison yeah. All right, and, good. you know, I voice telephone systems, call center prompts, on hold systems, AI, pretty much anything requiring a voice. And I'm finding a lot of my telephony clients are also booking me to do things like YouTube explainer videos because everyone has a YouTube channel. So it seems like a good fit. Okay. That's, and you also have a, a Twitter account, if I'm correct. I do. Yes. So it's at voice gal. So follow me there. Yeah. Excellent. So everyone right. will put this uh, the details in the description of the podcast. So check that out as well. Uh, and the last question that uh, Anders and I always ask uh, our listeners is: So, if I am a company or a brand, or you know, maybe like a, an experienced designer, and I think about designing a voice for my customers, what should I consider? What would be your recommendations? Perfect question. So the first thing is to decide who is calling in. Decide who is most likely to be calling in 
and design the prompts to cater to that demographic. It might not be easy to define one specific type of person, but you know, if you are a, a you know an auto parts manufacturer and there's a likelihood that only mechanics or auto industry professionals will be calling in, I think that phone system will sound different than something that's pointed at the public. It can be more technical and it can be a little bit more, um, perhaps there, there can be less emphasis on customer service. If it's public facing, decide who's calling in, decide what the number one issue that people will be calling in about and make that at the very top of the uh, options. Hmm. Uh, also take the options and distill them down to five or six choices because the human brain really cannot remember anything more than five or six possibilities at once. Uh, yes. So, uh, you know, a menu of 12 choices, way too much. Um, yeah. So I think the most important thing is just to decide who the customer is and to tailor the script and the choice of voice and the direction of voice towards that need. That is excellent. Thank you so much for uh, those tips, Alison. So I think we have reached the end of the podcast, Anders, unless you have any final question. No, thank you so much. It's been amazing to, to talk to you. It's um, been great. We could probably talk for a few more hours. It's, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it was so much fun. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alison, uh, for, for this uh, nice podcast. And uh, yeah, uh, we hope we can talk to you again. Yeah. I hope so too. Thank you. Fantastic.